Chapter Fourteen of Two Sides to Every Question by Maud Jean Frank. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. Chapter Fourteen Tom's Advice. Take an old sailor's advice, lad, and stick to straight sailing, said Captain Rivers to Tom, whom he had enticed into his garden the evening after Nettie's conference, under the pretence of showing him a new flagstaff which he had erected for the purpose of notifying the arrival of the English mail. "'You see,' he said, when he first showed the arrangement to Tom, "'I know when to be on the lookout, and my glass shows clear enough the blue and white rag on the masthead at the post-office as soon as it's aloft, and then up goes my signal, and the neighbourhood ought to give me a vote of thanks for the benefit.' It was something to have so far overcome the reserve that had lately prevented Tom from holding any communication with his neighbours. In truth, the captain missed one of his most earnest listeners, and was glad enough to draw him out of his shell at any price. Little by little, going on gradually from subject to subject, he ventured at last to touch on that most materially affecting him, or what he already suspected would do so, and in that manner the wily old captain drew from him all the secrets of his speculation and subsequent troubles. "'You see, Captain,' Tom exclaimed excitedly, it's not that I care for the money I have laid out in shares. It's the fear that I shall not be able to keep them. And I shan't, that's flat, if I can't get any cash to pay up when a call upon the shares is made. And it is sure to be directly. Aye, that's true enough, said Captain Rivers gravely. Whether the mine is a duffer or not, they will come down upon you for more cash. Never fear. No, Tom, take an old seaman's advice. Keep to straight sailing. Nothing good comes of this out-of-the-way kind of cruising. Tom sat kicking his heels into the shell devices of the pavement, to its serious detriment. He had made a clean breast of it to his old friend, but he was not quite prepared to give up his cherished hopes without a struggle. "'It's rather hard, though,' he presently said, "'to have all one savings swept away, and no chance of getting anything for them. Now if I could only hang on a bit, I might do well. Why not?' "'Because,' said the captain gravely, for every chance of success there are a thousand failures, a hundred at least to one. At that rate you would have no speculations, said Tom moodily. We might, according to your views, have plenty of wealth in the bowels of the earth, but if every one was afraid to be of speculations, how would that wealth turn up? Tom piqued himself upon having given the captain a tight question to answer, and wondered what he would find to say in reply. The captain was quite equal to the occasion. There is no doubt— he presently said, removing his cherished pipe from his mouth to reply. Not the shadow of a doubt that our country is rich, and that its mineral wealth must be developed. But then people have no business to attempt its development with money that is not their own. They have no right to ruin themselves and their families for what may only prove a chimera. They have no right to throw themselves into debt, or to do dishonest actions, in order to develop that wealth. It ought to be, it must be opened up there is no question on that score the copper or gold or what not will yet be the making of the country but there are plenty of men of capital they can develop the country's wealth ay and enjoy the profits said tom gloomily that's a hard doctrine captain at any rate the question is all in favour of the rich don't see it it must find its level good must result to all eventually at any rate these capitalists can afford to lose without bringing utter ruin upon themselves and misery on their families. 
now you tom for instance are getting a good salary for a young man of your age you are rising too getting a clearer insight into your business what more do you want why in such haste come now by your own confession all that your enterprise has done for you is to make you very miserable well yes said tom drawing his pocket handkerchief through and through his hands and tying it in innumerable knots you see he hesitated i never did have any concealments from my mother till now and i did not want to tell her because i was sure any hint of speculation would trouble her the whole affair has been very hasty i suppose he presently added with a sigh i had better throw it all up there's no need to lose all said captain rivers give over the whole matter into my hands i may be able to get rid of your shares at a loss perhaps but better make a sacrifice of some than lose all that old captain's a brick said tom to himself as he went off to bed that night after this conversation with a lighter heart than he had long possessed now if he could only manage to get a part of his money back but if not the sacrifice of all he thought was better than the wretched anxiety and misery of the past weeks straight sailing for him in future no more cruising in speculative waters we can be happy enough as we are he thought looking out into the moonlight that was again streaming through the waving boughs of the acacia this is a pretty place and i'll go into the building society and buy it up for myself one of these days that's what i'll do not so much speculation in that i think hang all the mining shares say i it was a good thing for tom that he had such a thorough sickening at once that no partial success had driven him into further difficulties well would it be for many of our colonial youths if their false steps were alike unsuccessful for it is this temporary success that excites raises false hopes and ends in utter ruin straight sailing that is the word no hurrying after riches that bring no real happiness after all in their wake living within not beyond the income it is this that makes peaceful and pleasant homes whether small or large tom felt as he closed his eyes that night that the burden which had kept them so widely open had vanished his pillow was soft as down to him no wonder that he slept soundly his morning sleep was not without its dreams but they were all rose-coloured he had purchased the little cottage enlarged it and he and nettie and his mother were living happily together the sewing machine of course in those dreams was the thing of the past waking into consciousness with the first sunbeam that fell upon his floor he sprang from his bed scarcely able to disentangle the dreams from the reality then gradually the last evening's conference came to memory and he soon realized that he was free from a heavy burden though all his rosy dreams were yet unfulfilled and the thought gave a fresh impetus to his movements nettie and mother and i can do well enough and be happy too without riches he said gaily as he rapidly dressed and finally went out into the pleasant sitting-room where his sister in her pretty pink morning dress stood arranging the breakfast-table why nettie he exclaimed i never knew before how pretty you were she laughed merrily live and learn you see tom yes said tom only it's odd i never thought of it before oh you are looking at me through rose-coloured spectacles that's all she answered gaily you are looking remarkably well if you will allow me to return the compliment she added archly he was feeling remarkably well the burden of a great secret care was removed he had laid down his troubles and vowed to himself that he would never take them up again 
Tommy was himself again, and intended to remain so. Nettie had expected his confidence, but she knew better than to ask it. He has confided in the captain. I'm sure of that, she said to herself. And the dear old fellow has done him good in some way, just as I thought he would. If he doesn't want to tell me anything about it, it is of no consequence. I don't mind, so that it is all right. Besides, the captain will tell me all I need to know. Very pretty Nettie certainly did look as she stood watching her brother along the road that morning. He had gone early, and for the first time for many a day had gathered a flower for his buttonhole, a leaf or two and a sprig of scarlet geranium. There was not much else in the garden now. She viewed that as a sign of returning peace and happiness. Someone else besides Tom noticed the exceeding prettiness of the dainty little figure, the rich softness of the dark hair braided round the finely formed head, the delicate rose on the cheek, and the long dark lashes of eyes that were splendid in their melting beauty. Someone else who had made the discovery long before Tom, though he had not yet had the temerity to say so. "'What, has Tom gone already, Miss Alton?' asked a well-known voice behind her, as she stood still looking down the road, though her brother had turned the corner and was out of sight. She turned round with a pretty rosy blush. "'Good morning, Mr. Frederick. Yes, Tom is off.' "'Is it early?' "'Yes, rather so for him,' said Fred. "'At least he has been late for some time past. "'Is it not a splendid morning?' "'Glorious! "'Only rather chilly out of the sun, "'which of course we must expect. "'Our gardens are beginning to look rather bare, are they not?' "'I was wanting a flower for my coat,' said Fred, "'looking significantly at a half-open monthly rosebud and leaves, "'which Nettie had tucked into her waistband. "'Can you spare me that?' "'Oh, you have so many better,' she answered with a shy laugh, colouring like a rose herself. "'None that I like so well,' he eagerly replied. "'It is pretty, but I have been wearing it all breakfast time. If it is not too faded, you are welcome to it.' "'Too faded!' He would have very much liked to have taken the hand as well as the flower, but he dared not attempt that yet. If only she would watch after him as she did after her brother. But she did not do that. She turned and ran indoors, and he went on to town with the flower in his buttonhole, but not a great deal of hope in his heart. She had indeed given him the flower, but she had not waited to chat with him a moment longer than she could help. In fact, her good-bye was rather abrupt, and she ran indoors, scarcely waiting for his thanks. Poor Fred! He would have gone on his way with a brighter face and in a happier mood, could he have guessed that at the bottom of the garden, in between the almond trees there was a famous view of the road, not visible from the garden gate, and that while he was disconsolately passing along that very road, dark, soft eyes were covertly glancing through a gap in the rose hedge, never moving till the very last glimpse of his hat had disappeared. She is so good, and so lovely, and such a darling, thought Fred. It almost seems presumption in me to woo her, but I can't help it. "'I wonder whether he really cares for my rosebud,' mused Nettie, with a half-smile and a dainty blush, that it would have done him good to have seen. And as she washed her breakfast china, laving it in and out of the hot water, her fingers made rosy by the heat, she sang softly and sweetly, while her mother, still in bed, for she rose late, lay quietly listening. Nettie's voice seemed like the joyous carolling of birds that morning. A little later in the day she framed an errand that carried her into Captain Rivers's. 
she was very anxious to see the captain and was rather surprised that he had not contrived to make himself visible she was stitching some delicate frilling but she left the machine and her unfinished work just to run in and see if miss rivers had found the receipt for quince jelly so she said to her mother and though it was not at all the errand she felt perfectly justified in giving it as a reason for her early visit it would be a regular shame to worry dear mother by allowing her even to suspect anything about tom and especially when all is right as i am sure it is she said to herself as she opened her neighbour's gate she did not see the captain after all he was out gone to adelaide so his sister said but he told me to tell you said the dear old lady that it was all right and going to be so there were no breakers ahead now just what he does mean he said you'd know nettie i'm sure i don't it beats me said miss rivers i suppose it's about your brother but whatever it is you may trust the captain he's weathered many a storm he'll set everything right when he says he will and nettie fully trusted him she had reason for had he not already done tom wonderful good End of chapter 14